is Hey world, it's your girl Drea here, Long E with the Dream Team Sports Podcast Network. And of course, bringing you that sports spice, no added ingredients, all natural facts with little cake at the end. And we're giving you some fact center and great debaters vibes today. So I'm here with the fellas, Tony. Hey, in San Francisco, all fog, hella smog. <laughs> and Mike. Writer debater here, sports game for free. Better get you some, and I hope you get you some today because I'm pumped what we're talking about, buddy, Raiders and Niners. Glad to be here with you guys, too. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to be on the platform, you guys. Love Paxson. Oh, no doubt. And then Cy? What's up, what's up? Well wishes and blessings. What's up, Raider? Pre- appreciate you jumping on. You know, Raiders always welcome in this house. <laughs> Yarra, oh boy. Tony might be a little bit outnumbered today, but that's okay. But you know so, what? It's a it's a family. It's a family podcast. We get together, we argue, and at the end of the day, we hug, and we make. Amen. Amen. Even though Amen the Niners are a better team. Hey. All right, all right. <laughs> so we're kicking off a special two-part NFL series that's all about the San Francisco 49ers, maybe Santa Clara, but and the wow. Las Vegas Raiders. It's still very weird to not say Oakland. Uh, in today's episode, I'm talking with the guys about what they're excited to see in this upcoming action of NFL football with their two teams. Tony will be representing for the 49er fans out there, and Mike and Cy will be repping for the black and silver. So there's a lot to be excited about for, for both teams. Jimmy G is healthy and in, his, and in his full second season as a starting QB. The Raiders are building their new identity, new stadium, new talent. And both teams are poised to make some noise in their respective divisions. So let's get right into the discussion, gentlemen. Just a few ground rules. Respect each other. Respect the takes. You ain't got to agree, but that's how we set in the tone today, okay? So All love here. <laughs> All love. All love. All love. <laughs> so, Tony, we're going to start start with you and, and the 49ers. So, what are you most looking forward to see in this season for the 49ers? And talk to us about who you're seeing stand out for your team offensively and defensively. Great question. There's a lot to look forward to. Obviously, coming back after a Super Bowl loss, it's tough. It's a tough thing to stomach, and it's even tougher to get back to that hilltop. Because you get all the way up there, you get knocked down. The next right. season, the stats don't show in your favor. It's hard for a Super Bowl loser to get back to where they were, especially a Super Bowl winner. But more importantly, it's harder for the Super Bowl loser. But we've got a few things to look forward to. I'll say one thing, Jimmy G coming back healthy, his season coming back, his first season back from the ACL injury, he was 13 and three. And he probably wasn't at his fullest potential. Given that whole season, just to get comfortable and having that win, winning atmosphere come back, I'm expecting a lot more from him. He's got the knee brace off. So that should be a little more comfortable for him. He's got to be a little bit more comfortable. But the shiny toy of Jarrett McKinnon, Jet coming back, finally getting the season and being healthy thus far, 
I think he's going to be a great weapon for Jimmy G. Another toy for him to play with out of the backfield. Now, I hope this air quality is just going to kind of play in <laughs> our favor so we can actually have a game. Uh, something that I do want to mention is that Tevin Coleman might not be able to play. He's got a condition that if the air quality gets to a certain point, he's got a condition that he won't be able to play. So let's knock on wood. Hopefully he'll be able to play. But let's get a stat out there. That's kind of it's kind of crazy to me. Jimmy G is 21 and 5 as a starter. That's his mm. career record. Mm. That's a pretty damn good winning percentage. I know he's kind of been up and up in terms of interceptions going up significantly, but I think he's asked to throw in the middle of the field a little bit more than a lot of other quarterbacks are in just Kyle Shanahan's system. So, yeah, he's going to take some riskier throws. But I think having a running game behind him, I think that running game is going to continue to be strong as it was last year. And so having that running game protecting him a little bit, um, some things that I am going to to be a little wary of is the injuries that, that are taking place right now. So not having Debo to start the season, uh, Jason Verrett's not really a big deal. Brennan Ayuk, we really wanted to see – what he was going to prove in his first season. So not having him in the beginning, he mm. was kind of the de facto replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. But the big one that I'm looking at is Ben Garland, not having your center in there. That's a big deal to me and how we kind of combat that because your center is doing a lot of signal calling. And a lot of that offensive line predicates on how great your center is being able to call out defenses and call out plays and be able to read He's the first read for Jimmy G. So that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to, just Jimmy G in general, his season coming back fully healthy without that knee brace, and then Jarrett McKinnon being involved in this offense, and another year of Raheem Mostert being their, their bell cow, so to say. Okay, Tony. Um, that sounds all good. I, 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 it actually gets me hyped for 49ers football this season on, on Sunday. I like but it. I want – yeah, I wanted to get kind of more in-depth of Jimmy G. Um, with the 49ers, you know, it was a big surprise, I would say, for what they ended up accomplishing last year. They were 40-1 uh, to one in betting odds, so they weren't, like, considered to be a, a top team. Uh, mm-hmm. The over and under was eight wins. They ended up going 13-3, and three, um, exploding 30 points a game. And most of that was contributed, even though we know that Kyle Shanahan has a great run game and a great um, offensive scheme. A lot of that was predicated to Jimmy G. There was questions coming in with him with the ACL tear uh, the year before, big questions. And all he did was throw 27 touchdowns with 13 interceptions, uh, had a passer rating of 102, led all full-time starters in the NFL with yards per attempt, almost threw for 4,000 yards, was top half in QB metrics, QBR, DVOA, DVR, uh, DVAR, you know, 30 points a game, like you said, center and tackle, missed considerable time. So he had kind of a shoddy offensive line and still was able to put up the great numbers that he did. And, oh, yeah, led the 49ers to the Super Bowl, too. But it seemed like there was a lot more questions um, after the season than answers. And quite frankly, his performance in the playoffs in the Super Bowl probably led people to kind of think this. So I wanted to kind of get from you, Tony, is what's your – true expectations for Jimmy G this year. What do you see him doing in Kyle Shanahan's Shanahan's offense? And is he the next San Francisco great? Is he up there with Joe Montana, Steve Young? Is he the next one after? 
What's your expectation? What do you see him accomplishing in this particular offense this year? All right, well, let's, let's reel it back to the 13-3 season. We can all say that was totally unexpected. And I, don't, I actually don't expect to see another 13-3 season. I'd actually be happy with an 11-5, maybe mm. even a 10-6 if we could sneak in there because we've got a dangerous defense. We've got a – actually, I'd call it a dominant defense, and it could be a dangerous offense. I do kind of want to get back, and I do want to jump into this right away as a 49er great. It's a high expectation, right? And he's got real big shoes to fill. So for us to expect him to be a Steve Young or Joe Montana, that's asking too much from the guy right now. Let's, let's ask him to be a Jeff Garcia first. Um, <laughs> I'll already say he surpassed what Alex Smith was able to do as a Niner. And I know Dre is a great, a big fan uh, of Alex Smith. Don't talk about but, Alex. Don't bring Alex into this. <laughs> but what Jimmy G's been able to accomplish in a short time here and just being able to work in Kyle Shanahan's system, we know it's a complicated system. My expectation for Jimmy G is to continue to just improve. And I'm not asking for strides and strides. Just continue to get better. Let's shave down the interceptions a little bit. Let's be a little bit more crisp in your passing. Let's be a little bit more accurate. And at the end of the day, he hasn't – I don't – I wouldn't say he's had the true, the true weapons that most quarterbacks have had. And for him to just completely get bashed like this over and over again, it's disrespectful. He came from, he came from a system where he sat back, didn't complain, learned from Tom Brady, and he just did things the right way. And I don't know why it's his fault that he just keeps winning. He comes over to a losing Niner team, and I believe we started the season 0-9. Like, the one win we had was against the New York Giants, and Jimmy comes in and he just reels off and he wins. That's what he does. He wins. And let's take this back. His only losing season was the season that he tore his ACL, when he tore his ACL in Kansas City. He was 1-2 that season. But overall, like I mentioned earlier, He's 21 and five. And I think the reason why he's kind of getting this negative attention and this negative media was because we had such a dominant run game going into the playoffs last season. When you've got Raheem Moster just reeling things off like that, George Kittle going out there dominantly blocking and having even a shaky offensive line, Kyle Shanahan kind of puts everything in place. So Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's smarts kind of puts him in a detriment to the media because everybody credits Kyle and they'll discredit Jimmy for being in the system. But when if, you, if you've got a run game like that and your run game's going smooth like that and they can't stop your run game, I don't see a reason for him to have to throw the ball 30, 40 times, maybe 50 times a game. And just how the Super Bowl ended just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And trust me, I'm guilty of it as well. I bashed Jimmy. I even bashed Kyle's decision-making in terms of play calling. But at the end of the day, you know, I take my emotions out of it because I've been emotional about it. And I, I get unreasonable like most people do when you're upset. And losing a Super Bowl definitely does that to you. So I just think he's got the raw end of the stick. They haven't really given him the full credit. And they just – he's unfairly judged in the media. And so my expectation is for Jimmy to just kind of get a little bit better. 11-5. and five. Let's call it 11-5. and five, Get back in the playoffs and hopefully at least get us back to the NFC title game. If not, get back to the Super Bowl and win it. Tony came back full force. Talking about the Niners. So, Cy, what's your question for Tony? 
Tony, that's funny you say that because that was my next question that I was going to go into, which was, does Kyle Shanahan really believe in Jimmy G? So you're, you were saying uh, the fans, some believe the system is what Jimmy G is benefiting off of, the, the, the great run game, top two run game, a great young offensive coordinator slash head coach mind is banking on these winning these games and it's not on the arm of Jimmy G. What do you think about Kyle Shanahan, especially with his remarks right after the Super Bowl? And then the whole where they were, you know, as reports say, they tapped into Tom Brady. They they listened, they made a call. So with all that happening in the offseason, do you really tr- believe he believes in his quarterback? I think given the season we had last year, yes, he does believe in him. You had a quarterback, whether whether the media wants to say it or not, he led him to a 13 and 3 record. And so if you're able to lead your team to a 13 and 3 record and get to the Super Bowl of that quarterback, you can definitely win with him. He might not be your shiny toy of Aaron Rodgers, he might not be the young Tom Brady, and he might not even be the Colin Kaepernick of 2012-2013. 2014. But I think he believes in him enough to get the job done. So whether it's opening up the playbook slowly, and I know Kyle Shanahan's got an intricate system, so I know he's got to ease guys into it. And I want to say Matt Ryan, it was a second or third season in the system fully that he was able to grasp what Kyle was doing and to really excel. And so I think this is going to be a very telling year. Yes, I still believe in him. And I believe Kyle believes in him. But I think this is going to be the year that really proves if he is Kyle's guy or not. Because this is the year Jimmy should shine. Being healthy, third year in the system. And, you know, and, I, and, and I'm going to say this with – because this is what a lot of the 49ers I talk to say is the games you guys did lose, and, and not the Super Bowl, but the games you did lose, you weren't able to run. So that's why a lot of times – the belief in the quarterback is not there. Now, in the Super Bowl, you guys were running and you went away from it. But Baltimore, you couldn't really run against them. Seattle, the game at home, you couldn't really run against them. The Saints, you guys got in a shootout. So you had to abandon the run, right? But games like that showed that when the game comes down to Jimmy G's arm, how Cal Shanahan opened up the playbook or he doesn't. So that's why my question went to tie it into, does he believe in, believe him? You mentioned the Saints game. I think just based off of that, that's another reason why you, you would believe in him. He can do it. He's got a good arm. His decision-making has been a little bit shaky. Overall, he's, he's there. Given him this third season, this is where he's going to really show out. Because I think this is when he's going to open up that playbook for him completely. And he's going to give Jimmy G full reign to go out there and just surgically operate. You kind of see in just this short span of what he's been able to do, this is going to be the season sign. Jimmy G is going to go out and show out, and Kyle believes in him. He believes in his man. Nice, nice. So kind of getting into a question I want to go more in depth with. We talked about Jimmy G, and really he was had a very productive year, above average, with a shoddy offensive line, um, so to speak. You lost Joe Staley this year, uh, a staple in 49ers uh, lore 
probably will be 49ers Hall of Famer, but was able to pick up mm-hmm. seven-time Pro Bowler Trent Williams, which Sai mm-hmm. stated in the last episode was probably the best move of any NFL team. I mean, this guy is a mauler. Definitely an upgrade to Joe Staley. Uh, DeForest Buckner, after the season, was looking for $21, $20 million a year. And what the 49ers did was trade him for a first-round draft pick and got a defensive stud lineman, Javon Kinlaw, 6'5", 324, massive individual that will move the line of scrimmage at any time with long arms and, and strong hands. Trent Williams actually commented about Javon Kinlaw, stating that he already looks like he has Defensive Player of the Year written all over him. Yet got, as far as last year in 2019, um, the offense really shot off when Emmanuel Sanders was traded to the team. Uh, The offense began to really bolster. You don't have Emmanuel Sanders this year, but you picked up in the draft Brandon Ayuk, which was one of the best running catch wide receivers in the draft, has an uh, 80-inch catch radius span. Mm -hmm. You guys gave a great, actually a phenomenal – team-friendly deal to George Kittle, uh, Eric Armstead signed back. So with all the draft or the free agent or the trades that were made this year, how, what's your thoughts on those? Did they help the team? Did they make the team better? Do you feel like it's a, it's a um, kind of a negative or they're not as good as they were last year with all these transactions? What do you say about or your thoughts about the transactions that happened in the offseason? I think the transactions in the offseason and everything that kind of happened surrounding that was a positive and it moved us towards the right direction of getting better. And I know Joe Staley forever will be a Niner great, future Hall of Famer, probably one of the best left tackles we've ever seen in a Niner uniform, if not the best. Getting Trent Williams was just something else, unexpected. And I want to say that was even an upgrade. He's a little bit younger, bigger hands, moves a little bit better on his feet. And Joe was kind of tapering off a little bit. So I'm going to say that was an upgrade getting Trent in there. And I do want to address the DeForest Buckner situation as a fan favorite. Everybody loved Buck. And just what he was able to do in his time here, coming in on day one, affecting that defensive line like he did, it's going to be hard to replace something like that. But replacing him with somebody like Javon Kinlaw, look, I'm not expecting him to be DeForest Buckner in year one and coming and be exactly him. But if he gives us 70% of his production, I think that might be enough. And kind of looking at the whole overall defensive line that we had last year, and shout out to Chris Kasirik, man. He gets everything out of his defensive line. But it was a defensive line by committee. We were deep. We had guys like Ronald Blair, DJ Jones. Looking forward to those guys coming back into the fray, that's going to be huge for us, having that depth again. Let's not forget how important DJ Jones was. We don't win that Saints game if DJ Jones doesn't strip Alvin Kamara in that fourth quarter late in the game. That's a big boy. That's a big boy that that gets some good barbecue as well, as we all know. DJ Jones (laughs) hooked me up with some barbecue, barbecue sauce. And let's not forget about Nick Bosa, too. Let's do another addition to that because in his sophomore season, I'm expecting him to get better. You know, he comes from a family, family of defense alignment. They just know how to get to the quarterback. And I see how hurt he was after that Super Bowl. I think he's just coming back stronger. And one other guy that I want to mention is D Ford. Just not having D Ford there most of the season, it just really hurt. You spent a lot of money to get him. You gave up a second-round draft pick for him. 
having D Ford back in there, I think that improves the defensive line already. Having him and Bosa in there together is going to be scary. So if we can get 16 games out of D Ford and have him healthy into the playoffs, that makes a huge difference. And so overall, I think we got better. Yeah, we lost to Forrest. We lost Joe Staley. We lost Emmanuel Sanders. But I think Brendan Ayuk looks the part. Debo Samuel is going to be better. You've got Trent Taylor, who's supposed to be who he's supposed to be. And Dante Pettis sounds like he's going to mature. And it sounds like Kyle's going to give him a little bit more faith. So I think overall the Niners got better. I'm looking positive. It might not show on the record, like I mentioned earlier. We might fall back to 11-5 and because we might have to deal with some injuries in the beginning of the season and, and just some unforeseen factors. But I think we could even be a better team finishing off the season 11-5 and and get back to the Super Bowl and win it. Let's go, Niners. Nice. <laughs> so Got I me pumped. The 49er and Raider fans can come together, show love to each other, and chop it up. So this was a dope segment. So we're going to head into a short break, but when we'll be but when we come back, <laughs> we'll kick it off to Mike inside to give us the scoop on the Las Vegas Raiders. Don't go too far, people. Oh boy. Hey world, Drea back here, Long E, with the Dream Team Sports Podcast Network and giving you that fact center and great debaters action. We just finished chatting with Tony about the 49ers and what's in store for that team this season. Now we're going to talk a little Raiders with Mike and Cy. So let's jump right into it. It's a big year for the Raiders. New stadium, new identity, who this, basically. <laughs> so for, for Mike and Cy, what makes this season so different for the Raiders and what offensive and defensive weapons are you most excited to see on the field? Mike, I'll kick it off to you. Thanks, and that is an excellent question. Um, I would say the number one thing right now for the Raiders, the difference, the thing that will be the turning point to being a successful season for the Raiders is continuity. This is one of the first years in many years where the Raiders have continuity at the head coach, the quarterback, the GM. We haven't had a coach that coached three years straight since, guess who? John Gruden in 1998 <laughs> to 2001. That was the last coach that the Raiders had that coached three full seasons. There has not been a coach since John Gruden came back, what, in 2018, that we've had a coach that had a tenure longer than three years or two years, really, to tell you the truth. There's been fires. There's been bad coaching, there's been bad players, and there's been bad organizational moves. Um, once, so shout out for one to Mark Davis. Uh, he was really a villain, definitely, for moving the team, 
from the Bay Area, from Oakland to Las Vegas. But when you see the moves that he has made, first by bringing back John Gruden um, and bringing back the system that he had, bringing, letting John Gruden get his own guys, then bringing Mike Mayock on. And, and Mike Mayock, I trust. When you look at his draft picks and the draft picks that we had last year, I think seven, six to seven of those draft picks were actually starters and are starters right now on the team. So you're not going to get too many times in one draft where you get six great or very good starters in a draft. I mean, this team is really loaded on the offensive side. And we already know from what Cy said, like I stated in the last episode of Fact Center, about Derek Carr being this is his first year or first time being in a system for three years. This hasn't happened even in high school for Derek Carr. So Derek Carr in high school, college, or in the pros has never been three seasons with the same offensive coordinator, same coach. He's had four offensive coordinators in seven seasons. And actually in the last two seasons with John Gruden has been his best seasons. It's been the only two seasons where he's thrown over 4,000 yards it's been the only uh, seasons where he's had 70% completion percentage. He has 70% completion percentage, which was third in the league last year. The year before that, he had 69% completion percentage. I mean, he's in the top five of all the metrics, QBR, uh, DVOA, D, R, D, all the metrics. Oh, I can't even explain them all. He's <laughs> all at the top of them. He's at the top of them. And it's because – He's getting to learn the system. He's in a system that he's getting comfortable with, the complex system of John Gruden. But it's also just the whole organizational feel of this is how we're going to do it. We're keeping our guys here. We're keeping the coaches here for, the, for three to five years. And then just the mentality of the team. Mike, Mike Mayock Brent bought the mentality of competitiveness, toughness, being a leader. He went and drafted people that were part of winning programs, uh, players that are kind of bully-like, nasty, chip on their shoulder, had a lot of adversity in their life. You look at Clee Farrell. He was the leader at Clemson. He was the leader on a defensive line. They were national championships. They played in a national championship game. Josh Jacobs was once homeless, living in a car. He played a national championship game in Alabama. And this guy, Josh Jacobs, you're talking about offensive and, and, and defensive weapons. This guy is one of the biggest weapons in the league, a bull in a fine china shop. He will wreck you, and he's looking to come and hit you with bad intentions. This guy has the quickness of Emmett Smith, but he will knock you over like the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye. This guy is strong. He can catch passes, and he's looking to knock you down when he comes. He is a great, phenomenal pick that we had. Josh, Jonathan Abram, this guy's a nasty hitter. This guy, I, if I'm not mistaken, is, either has his master's or is trying to get his master's. Very intelligent human being. Trayvon Martin, or Mullen, I'm sorry, excuse me. Trayvon Mullen played at Clemson National Championship. He last year had, in press coverage, quarterbacks only completed 42.3% passer ratings against him. I mean, this guy is now a lockdown corner. And he's only been in the league a half a year. So just from what we've seen right now, the continuity of the team, the first time the team has had a coach for three years straight, a GM for three years straight, a quarterback for three years straight, and the weapons that we have, the rugs, speed, uh, Brian Edwards, who's the first-round draft pick, that's like Crabtree, big, strong, 6'3". And how do we forget about Darren Waller real quick? 6'6", 
The man runs a 4-4. He is T.O. as a tight end. Watch out, defensive. If you don't think the Raiders is ready, we're going to show you, buddy. <laughs> now, Cy, Mike gave us his spiel. Tap I'm going to say this. <clears throat> Do I got to even say anything after that? <laughs> Do I got to say anything? I shouldn't even have to answer another question. Drop the my, mic. My, my, my brother... My brother Mike killed it. I don't think I should even say anything. I mean, what wh where do you want me to go after that? I feel exactly. I I'm so juiced right now. That's how. That's what he got me right now. I'm so juiced for for tomorrow's game. Mike was spot on with everything he said. And and I'm gonna add this: the toughness to 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 the team at certain positions. It's not a coincidence that we went with guys who who who. Who had who had to go who had to go above obstacles in their personal life? Like Mike, Mike talked about our running back being homeless. Then look, look at Waller. Waller, you know I me. Mean? He brings a different toughness because he's been cut multiple times, but he had, but he was an alcoholic that he had to overcome. Right? We had certain guys. Look at went, look at Winthrop, our our uh, um, slot guy from Clemson. It was like a key component went into drafting these people. The SEC, big-time programs, championship-winning pedigree, played in big games, Ohio State. So a lot of all these new people that we're bringing in, these young cats, they came from competitive background where you had to compete to get on the field at their, at their respected places in college. It wasn't a cakewalk. They had to fight every day to get on the field because of the competition that either was ahead of them or behind them was that good. So when they when we bring them in, it just fits the mode of what we're trying to build. We're trying to build a lot of versatile receivers who can compete. And that's what we're going with. And you see the look at our rookie class last year. We were number one. We had the most touchdowns for the rookie class. Most um most sacks for the rookie class because of what 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 Mad Max did. So our rookie class with the tight ends had the most touchdowns. The running back had the most touchdowns. Now you add that to Derek Carr finally being in a system for three years under the same coordinator, under the same head coach makes a difference. This should this is like he said, this is the put up or shut up year for him. There's no more talking. No more excuses. We put the pieces around them because the evidence is there. When you put the pieces around Derek Carr, you will get a 12 and four season. And he could have been 13 and three, but he got hurt. He didn't play that last game, right? So the proof is in the pudding. You put pieces around Derek Carr, he only succeeds. And the difference between him and a lot of, a lot of uh, quarterbacks and, and I'm going to say the Jimmy G and him is they came in the same year. They were drafted in, in the same round, second round guys. The only difference is one started from the jump. Rookie season started all 13, all 16 games. He's been starting all this whole time with the Raiders, but he never had one thing, which was a run game. Never had a run game. Even the year, even that year that we went 14 and four, you got to remember he had eight to nine comeback wins meaning we were down the right. everything was everything was all on him everything's always been all on him and I think that changes now that teams are going to respect our running back Jacobs 
So that only even helps him more with his decision-making, right? Now look at the pieces you put around him with the speed. Another thing, speed. Speed on defense and offense, we never had like this. We're flying around. I'm telling you, the versatility that we got at our middle linebacker with, with Middleton, he's different. He is different. He's going to be able to cover tight ends that we've been having trouble with for 15 years. Our secondary that we've been having troubles with 15 years, we got, we got building blocks there. We got shut down corners, man press, something that our defensive coordinator loves playing. So the aggressiveness, the confidence that both sides of the ball will play is what's going to scare people because we're going to hit you in the mouth and then we're going to fly by you on when we got the ball. Y'all hype. Be Raider fans. Hype. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might tune into an extra couple Raider games this season because of Sian Mike just kind of going off cuff right here, man. I like you better it. get you some. You I'm, better get you some. I'm going to miss that Bay Area rivalry, man. You Las Vegas Raiders. But anyways, I do want to follow up on something. Something that rings really true. You both kind of talked a little bit about the draft picks. And I got to shout out props to Mike Mayock. That transition from TV to GM ain't always easy, but I give him his credit, and where credit is due, I give it, because he's been on point when it comes to drafting, you know, even all the way down to the fifth round, getting Hunter Renfro all the way in the fifth round, but guys like Cleland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, you guys had a hell of a draft last season. So given that continuity of getting those guys in their second season, because they had stud first seasons, and then this this next season, getting guys in, I think Henry Ruggs the third is going to be a, something for defensive backs to deal with and a crazy weapon for Derek Carr. But just kind of looking at that depth chart, the offensive line looks strong. You got big Trent Brown, who used to be a Niner, going mm -hmm. over the Patriots, and then coming over back to the bay to get paid. Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Richie Incognito – He'd do his thing, but uh, Darren Waller shows out. And Josh Jacobs coming in for a second season. Sounds like there's going to be more weapons for Derek Carr to play with. And, Mike, you talked a little bit about it earlier, having continuity across the board in terms of a team. Derek Carr is finally getting consistency. He's getting into the third season of John Gruden's system. What are your expectations for somebody like Derek Carr? Are we looking at a 2016 Derek Carr where he went 12-3 and three and the team went 12-4 and four and lost in the first round? Maybe they're going to take it to the next step. What are your expectations as a whole? And what are you looking to see from somebody like Derek in this season? Great question. And I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm looking for MVP candidacy. That's okay. what I believe he'll be um, this year. I believe, believe he'll be a top five quarterback. Mind you, like you stated, and like the, the story has now narrated in, this is his third time or his third season in the same offensive system, which is the first time ever in his career. This guy had the two best seasons that he's had in the NFL with John Gruden, over 4,000 yards passing both years and almost 70% completion percentage, uh, 40 touchdowns I believe and 18 interceptions two to one not that bad but he rushed for two or three touchdowns last year also so when you really look at what he has done even in 2016 when he had supposedly his MVP year and his best season 
um, they didn't equate to the seasons he's had under John Gruden's kind of complex system and him learning the system. And I know a lot of Raiders fans right now are mixed, just in the same boat that Jimmy Garoppolo is in this year with fans with 49ers and other NFL pundits. It's the same thing with Derek Carr and is he the guy? Is he the franchise quarterback? And I say absolutely 100%. A lot of people, after he broke his fibula in 2016, um, looked at him as shell shock. And I was one of those people that he looked to be very scared, didn't want to get hit, uh, would fall down before the rush would even get to him, and just looked like somebody that had lost all his mojo, almost similar to um, the movie Any Given Sunday with Cap Rooney. Uh, him being the champion, if you've ever seen that movie, him being the champion in it, and then uh, losing his way and being shell-shocked. But what people don't remember is, or I guess forget, is the man snapped his ankle. He came back the next year and broke his back. The next season, he had a fracture in his back and wanted to come back the next game, and Jack Del Rio wouldn't let him come back. And they had EJ Manuel start, and we actually lost that game. And had Derek Carr started, we probably would have changed that season around and it wouldn't have been six and 10 and maybe Del Rio doesn't get fired. Then he comes back and gets a new coach in John Gruden. He has to learn the system. The second year in John Gruden's system, this guy has boomed off and it's been his best season that he's ever had. And what I seen in him was somebody that was no longer scared, that would take off. Did you see him in the, in the Kansas City game? Did you see him in other games? There were blunders that he had. Yes, most definitely quarterbacks have those but in the most part this guy you can call him a dink and doink all you want this guy's football IQ is very high he knows right away what to do pre-snap and as soon as the ball is snapped within a couple of seconds he's getting the ball out of his hand it's accurate and he's getting it to playmakers like now Henry Ruggs this year uh, Brian Edwards and this guy is the best in the league Derek Carr in drags and slants and that's what they're good at. Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards, good at drags and slants. Henry Ruggs, 4-2 speed. Rico Gafford, another wide receiver, 4-2 speed. Darren Waller, 4-4 speed. There's no excuses for Derek Carr, and I don't think he's going to make any. He's going to ball out. This guy's going to be an MVP candidate, and we're going to have some trouble trying to sign him because he might want an extension after next year. Sai, hmm. how much you betting on, on Derek Carr? Let's just say there's no more excuses. How about that? Let's say that. Let's, there's no more excuses. I, I'm going to say this, man. I was a big Der – I'm still a big Derek Carr fan. He made some play last year where, where we were down in the red zone. Both times, fourth down plays, he threw the ball away. To me, that was saying he gave up, and that hurt. So I was ready to get rid of the guy, right? But I believe in – what he can do in the right situations. And I think we got him back in the right situations. Derek Carr is not the type of quarterback you, you say, go by yourself and win us games and you put bums or he, 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 he doesn't win good. If you, if there's a lot of bums or, or inexperience around him, Right. So this year, again, I call it the make it or break it. No excuse here. That's for Derek Carr, more than anybody on this team. The make it or break it, no excuse year. That is his tour that he will be going on. Because, again, like Mike just brought up, this is, a, this is last year with us. 
after this, it's either we're going to re-sign him because he had a hell of a year back to when he would, when he got six votes for MVP. You know what I mean? Or we're going to be looking for a new quarterback and, and the new quarterback got a lot of good pieces around him, a tight end, young receivers, a great top, top 15 running back. So everything's set up for him or this next quarterback that we're going to draft or we're going to go pay. So everything evolves around him. But I guess what I'm going to say is he's going to get help, man. I think we're going to lean a lot on the running game. We're going to do a lot of play action. We're going to get rugs the ball. So all in all, in closing, yes, I believe him. What I'm looking for is not really on the offense side of the ball. I'm looking at the defense. This is the first time in a long time that I can say our linebacker group is NFL top tier. This is the first time in a long time that a Raider fan can say that about their linebacking core. That's what that's the key to me this year that I'm watching more than anything. I know what our D-line can do. I know the promise of our secondary, but I think the linebacking core, we're gonna have they're gonna have to lead the way to these W's on the defense side of the ball. And real quickly, and real quickly, just to close also with uh, and piggyback to what Sai is saying. When has for Raiders fans and Niners fans and any fan, when has Derek Carr had and even top 15 defense. What if Derek Carr was playing with, let's say, Jimmy Garoppolo's defense last year? Let's see what Derek Carr can do with a good defense. You know what? I, I'm in 100% and not, and, 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 and not to cut you, And not to cut y'all off, but not even that. What about if you give him a top two running game with the top F- 10, with the top five defense? He would have won you the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh please put put right. Derek Carr in the Super Bowl for okay. Jimmy G and right. the 49ers yeah. blow out the Chiefs now you're doing oh, too now you, you're doing too much well anyways I want to tie <laughs> since we're talking a lot about Jimmy G and we're talking a little bit about Derek Carr as well I'm going to tie them both together because they're unfairly being tied to the same thing game manager and at the end of the day why is a game manager a bad thing if you're winning games right and so I'm, I'm curious to see, too. I think they're both coming into the third seasons with their coaches and that continuity. So like I said, there's no excuses for Jimmy G either. I know his, his weapons might not be there for him at the beginning of the season, but Jimmy's got a hell of a defense. And Derek's getting a good defense. And so they're both kind of anything less than 10 and 6, 11 and 5 for both teams. I think that's a disappointment for sure. But I, it, it pisses me off how they always tie them together as game managers. And like I said, being a game manager ain't a bad thing if you're winning the games. Come on now. Hold on. To- <laughs> wait, wait one second, Tony. That game manager, man, it, it, I see it with Jimmy G being the label, but I've only – I've never really heard it with Derek Carr. You got to remember Derek Carr got the most comeback wins. You don't become a game – you won't get that title doing that. In the NFL, he's right there with 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 uh, the Lions quarterback Matthew Stout, um Matthew, whatever his last name is, can't remember right now. But they got the most comeback, so you have to throw the ball when you do that. I don't see that label as game manager with him. And again, what he did that MVP year, that's not game manager. But your boy Jimmy G is. I'm gone. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? For the sake of time, I won't argue back until we get in this little debate. Because I'm going to have my boy Derek. We can go in to, into this 49er and Raider conversation. This was just one taste 
of what the Fact Center and what the great debaters got for you as part of the Dream Team Podcast Network. Well, fellas, y'all kept it civilized, and that was some very dope 49er and Raider conversation and insight. So I know I'm hyped for the season uh, to see the Niners, Raiders, but of course to see Cam Newton uh, start on Sunday. But anyways, that's for a whole nother uh, topic. Okay. Before we go, here's how I want us to wrap up today's podcast. I want each of you to fill in the blanks for this statement. Blank will be the X factor for the Niners or Raiders because blank. So Tony, I'm going to start. Actually, Cy, I'm going to start with you. So Cy, if you can fill in the blanks of that statement, what are going to be the X factors for the Raiders and why? So for me, I went with um, Corey. Littleton will be the X factor for the Raiders because of two reasons. What he just did last week, which was restructure his deal to give us money this year and next year. So off top, he wants to win. That let me know he's on board and he's not greedy and he's trying to build what we're trying to build. And then second is what he's going to do on the field for us, which is cover the tight ends, get to the quarterback, and stop the run. Again, he was the most versatile linebacker in the whole NFL. We've never had that. So what he did of not being greedy and kicking back some money and then what he's doing, what he's going to do on the field is why he's my X factor. He is the leader of this defense and he's going to bring it and he's going to solidify the the linebacking core. That's my guy. Mm. And Mike, what you got? What I have is for my X Factor, Eric Harris will be the X Factor of the Raiders due to his competitiveness, toughness, and playmaking. Um, and shout out once again to Drea. She brought up in you guys' episode a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. Please go check it out on Fact Center. But brought up the camp battle between Eric Harris and Demarius Randall, which we had signed to become one of our free safeties. And he was versatile. He actually could play cornerback too. So we picked him up because the Raiders like now also to have players that can play multiple positions. So he was kind of slotted to be the starting safety um, alongside Jonathan Abram. But Eric Harris seemed to have pushed so hard in training camp and really outshined him to the point where the Raiders waved uh, Randall and started Eric Harris. I believe he's also a captain now too. And this guy has made plays in the last couple of years. He was very serviceable last year when uh, Jonathan Abram went out and when Carl Joseph uh, went out. He was there to play safety for, for the Raiders last year. I mean, started 14 games. He got three interceptions, had two pick sixes, which if you're a Raiders fan, you already know that we lacked in the last couple of years as far as playmaking on the – definitely on the defensive side of the ball. So you can look at two different games with Eric Harris where he actually um, possibly won the game for the Raiders. And that was the the Indy Colts game, where he had a pick six at the end of the game and stopped a guy from getting to the end zone where they didn't even score, where the guy took off and he uh, trailed him down. And in the Chargers game, where he had two interceptions and a pick six and almost had a third interception. So to me, Eric Harris is the guy. This guy, watch out for him. He could be one of the next big things coming out of nowhere to make this Las Vegas Raiders defense great. Mm. And Tony, close us out. I'm going to do one of each since I'm going to close it out. 
Quan, <laughs> Quan Alexander for the 49ers. He's going to really show up that front seven with a full healthy season. Him and Fred Warner just going to dominate that second level. Quan, my reason with that energetic leadership on the field and being that vocal leader as well, running around with his hair on fire with that red hair, <laughs> he's going to shore up that defense and just really put that fire in everybody and really, really make sure we're back to where we were last year. And I got a Raiders one for y'all too. I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs because I think he's going to have to take it to another level as a runner. And he's going to be able to protect Derek Carr and really making that passing game a lot easier by being such an effective runner and maybe taking it to the next level and being a top five running back this season. So I like what I've seen from, from Jacobs. And just, just because of his story, I'm rooting for the cat. I just want to see good things come out from good people. So at the end of the day, I ain't a Raider fan, but I root for good people. That's <laughs> nice. That's what it is. So appreciate all of you, Tony, Mike, and Cy. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And don't forget, this is a two-part series. And on a future episode, we'll get into a full-on 49ers and Raiders debate with the Fact Center and the great debaters with Mike and Derek. As always, you can't have the fulfillment of the dream without the team. Make sure you follow us on all your social medias, TDT underscore Bay Area at... We appreciate y'all, and we'll be back with more Bay Area Sports Talk coming to a platform near you. Quest for six. All right, all right. There we go. Hey, what's a game to a nation? Let's go, Raider Nation! Nerds! Cam Newton!